Welcome to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people about their stories with Feds or Vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. This is your host, Katie, and before we get into the show, I want to remind you that the views, information, and opinions in these podcasts are those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of the Marfan Foundation. The Marfan Foundation is not responsible for and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in them, nor does the information constitute medical or other professional advice or services. This show is not produced by or affiliated with the Marfan Foundation or the VEDS movement. Welcome to this special episode of Staying Connected. Over the last few seasons of Staying Connected, I've asked members of our community what they want medical professionals to know about VEDS. This episode is a compilation of some of those responses. You might hear my voice come in at times to provide a little bit of context. And I really appreciate all of you who have provided these responses. If you are a medical professional listening to this podcast, also, Thank you. Big, big thank you. We really, as a community, need more information out there to medical professionals, especially emergency rooms. And I appreciate your interest in VEDS and your interest in learning more about it and educating yourself. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. And without further ado, let's get into the special. Literally two of my siblings have died under 30 years of age. Like this is serious. And I'm not saying that I'm coming in here with an aortic dissection currently, but please like come with that lens that this is a, this is a serious condition and treat it such that, and like even just a broader education too, like this is what happens in a condition like that. And it's very unpredictable and it doesn't matter if we look young or healthy, this is what can happen. Sometimes we come in with life-threatening situations that are not outwardly obvious. It could be we look, we are young and look healthy and are not taken as seriously or don't, or aren't bleeding or, or some like, you know, physical thing. Like even in my case, it was so serious, but I, like I said before, it wasn't even the worst pain I had, but knowing I had beds and knowing I, it's a struggle, right? Because my wife and I know it's always going to be kind of a, for lack of a better word, a fight kind of getting through the emergency room. So I I think that's the one thing medical professionals just need to know about and learn is that uh, is to be taken seriously so that you can get your scans right away and they can confirm um, or not whether there's something serious going on. The traits, like I'll tell doctors, if you see a child just looking at his knee a lot and more often than someone, anyone else, and that's before getting into debt on more serious situations. Like I had the chronic dissection, look into it more to see why this child, this little king, his joints, I'll tell anyone that, to get it at an early age till when, to so something serious. Cause they say, I've read up on vascular illness, Danlos, most of the serious case happens when they're in the late twenties or the early thirties. My serious case happened when I was 32. So, and then if that, if you had known, you probably would have taken that headache more seriously when you yeah the exactly exactly and I I would knew like okay I have a headache I had tears on my head and the, and and I went to the doctors 
the doctor would have did an MRI or MRA of my brain and my neck and would have saw the tearing of the carotid artery. They would have saw or tried to repair it or put me on some, put me on some type of thinner at the time and keep the blood flowing to my brain. I want to have so much paralysis to the 13th. I still have paralysis. My leg, my arm is still, I can't open my hands too well from the incident. It's been 13 years. Doctors say, um, life is not going to come back. This next clip is from Christy, who was diagnosed with VEDS after her son Hunter died of an aortic dissection in September of 2021. He was only 14 years old. I know this is probably just a mother wishing that this doesn't happen to another mother, but genetic testing should be done. I mean, it. I mean, you have Marfan's disease, you have Lois Lois Diets, whatever, however you say it. All of those can only be found by genetic testing. And I just feel like, could I have stopped Hunter from passing away? Probably not. But I think it would have made, I don't know how to say this. Um, I think I would have been more prepared. You know, like expect the unexpected type thing um, rather than being punched in the face with it and not knowing, you know, like obviously it took the autopsy a couple, it was about a month and a half before it got to me. So that whole month and a half, you don't know what happened. And there's no way for them to test anything at that point, you know? So I just think that like more testing should be available. I know that's kind of a long stretch because I, I understand genetic testing is, you know, kind of expensive and not every ballpark and everything, but I think it should just be more, more aware of, you know, give the option, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at an earlier stage in life. Yeah. Like they do genetic testing for, you know, other diseases. And I just think that maybe VEDS and Marfins and Lois or however you say it, <laughs> I think they should all be involved. I mean, give that option to the parents, you know, insurance covers it or not, just give that option so that, you know, I would say what really led to my diagnosis was someone was listening in class and Remember that it took that one symptom, I guess, for him to notice and wouldn't say like it helped my life, but it answered a lot of questions and it took that person to just <laughs> think about it for a second. It's like, oh, hold on, they're teaching it. And that's awesome that they are at least somewhere wherever he went to school. The one thing I guess I would like them to do is just like help the best you can with the resources you have. It's hard to think of something so rare because maybe they're so used to seeing stuff that is more typical and it's really hard to identify the atypical. And that is not to like, I, like, I don't blame medical professionals at all because I feel that everybody's really genuinely truly trying to find the best care for the patient um, with what they know, but maybe dig a little bit deeper, especially because with how genetic testing has become available, 
you know, maybe if the Van Wilder panel comes back, I'll find that maybe it's not just that child. Maybe just, all right, let's look a little bit further and further explore what it is because it really has, it really changes the outcome. Going to the hospital now, knowing that my child has beds, she has a better chance because I already know what she needs and that and also spreading awareness to emergency rooms because that is that is her first source of care is gonna be through an emergency room. So it's, you don't suspect somebody who's a teenager to go in doubled over that it's not like gastritis or just a stomach ache or maybe they had too much to drink or something but really like spot them. And especially if they have their beds card to get them to the CAT scan because you wanna get ahead of it, then try to trail, uh, catch up. This next clip is from Charlene who lost her son Luke to VEDS at the age of 15 in October of 2021. They knew that he had VEDS when they went to the emergency room. The emergency room is really important because that's kind of the last line of defense, but there we've ran into so many doctors and so many, you know, healthcare people who just don't believe, um, who just think, you know, that I'm overreacting or that this condition isn't as bad as we say it is. And I hope that all of those people, all those people who ever doubt, whoever, you know, question, I hope that somehow it can get through to them that this is real, that there's other conditions that are just as bad. And like, you know, like the whole motto is just because it sounds like a horse doesn't mean it's a horse, you know, it could be a zebra. Take it seriously and listen to your patient. I think the providers that have been put in a way that were compassionate and really listened always got it right. Um, be humble, be willing to collaborate, you know, be, be willing to say that you don't know as much as you want to about this condition. And just, I think more than anything, really listening to the patient, trusting them and, and being willing to collaborate are, are huge um, in getting it right. Listen, <laughs> just, I mean, it's the first thing we're taught in school is that, you know, the patient's history is the most important part of your entire interaction. It, you know, the exam, sure, it's, it's important too. And your, your labs and your diagnostics, it's important, but it's not as important as what the patient is saying. And so you, you just have to take the time and you have to listen. And while I empathize, I, I totally empathize with what medical professionals have to do and what they're asked to do. And, um, you know, they're, they're asked to see too many patients, quite frankly. And I think, you know, especially by the end of the day or by the end of the shift, they're exhausted, but you still have to listen and you, you can't gaslight people. Like you can't just put people in boxes. You, you have to listen to that individual story. And part of, you know, being a medical professional is to, to help people and to make them feel better. And so even if you feel like something is ridiculous, if it, you know, if, if a scan would make someone feel less anxious and feel better about what's going on, then get the scan. I know you have to contend with insurance companies and, you know, hospital administration, but at the end of the day, it's about the patient in front of you. So do your best and listen. Someone who specializes in the really rare cases, who sees a lot of them, who has the time to read the literature that is that is out, it's important, you know. Um, I can't expect my cardiologist here, because he's got one VEDS patient, 
to read every journal article that comes out about vets. Like, that's my job. That's my wife's job. We're here to tell him, you know, but I also know that when I go in, if I have an emergency, they know I have vets. They know they're going to be really careful. They're going to move slow. They're going to take the necessary uh, precautions that, that you have to do with a, with a person with vents. A vascular surgeon, a cardiac surgeon in Tampa, who, who saved my life, you know, told my wife that it was the most difficult surgery with the best possible outcome that day. Um, but he knew that there was something greater that he couldn't fix, you know, or something else going on that he couldn't fix. The next day, he did four heart transplants. And, but I was his difficult case that week, you know. Um, so that tells you that, you know, these surgeons know what they're doing, but it's really, I think it's really good when they talk to each other. So I, I probably the answer is no, I don't have advice for, for medical professionals, but I hope that they know how important they are to our psyche. You know, maybe that's the thing, you know. Oof, everything. I feel like nobody knows about it. Even, even the lung doctor that I just saw, he, he told me he hasn't dealt with this since he was in medical school. And he was an older guy. He said, now I have, I have studying to do. He's like, you gave me some studying to do. And it's like, no matter what field, I feel like it's just, it's not known. People don't know about it. So any, anybody that wants information about it, that knows about it and learns about it, if they can just keep spreading the information, I think that's the best way any, any doctor that wants to give information or spread information. And I feel like it's mainly us that has to do that footwork of spreading the information around. I'm not a doctor, but they go through a lot of schooling. They learn a lot of stuff. They have to know a lot about the entire human body. And it takes someone like Dr. Shalou with years of research to even know the as much as she knows about it. And I just wish those doctors would admit that they don't know it and either say, all right, I'm going to take this on and learn this, or I will work with your specialist because I don't know. And I know I don't know, but unfortunately a lot of them just don't know and don't care to know even anymore. Just for the medical profession, saying no way to um, acquire more knowledge about the disease. So we don't have all the things that you have, like medical bracelets and stuff, but we have something on the internet, like your medical journal on the internet. So in case of emergencies, the, the medical professions can look it up. So in Kana, she says that she has beds, but I don't think anyone knows what beds is. So I think EDS in general is getting way more recognition and it has been a couple of Grey's Anatomy episodes. Um, and I think that's wonderful. That's step one. Now let's look at the different subtypes because VEDS is so, so different than classic type. So we've got the blanket statement. So now let's look down in the subgroups because VEDS is dramatically different and severely different. So making sure that they are being taught this um, 
is definitely step one for sure. But, and just listening, listening to us. You know, I wear a bracelet. I keep with me in my purse all the time, you know, the vascular card and, you know, the information with what the syndrome is and, um, you know, have everything tied to my cell phone. I have, um, you know, if, if I have to go to the hospital, hopefully that's not the case, then I have it a laminated, you know, telling the doctors what's going on in the event that, you know, maybe, you know, I couldn't speak for myself for whatever reason. I guess that, that balancing act of, of what is good for your physical health and what is good for your mental health. Um, trying to understand the patient as a whole. So don't, if, if you're a vascular surgeon or a cardiologist, don't focus only on that, only on that, but try to see the, the person as a whole. I, I think that that helps. You get your diagnosis and, and some geneticists and things are, are pretty good about this, but it's certainly not across the board is that, you know, again, it, be, it becomes about learning about the physical component of this uh, condition. But I feel like the whole mental aspect of where you go from there and how you deal with that, I don't feel like those are openly encouraged or readily available for people who really need that, especially in the weeks or months leading after a diagnosis. So the patient themselves are not really being cared for from a mental perspective and how to deal with a rare condition that, especially this, um, where things can happen out of nowhere and, and you need to be ready for it. Some of the, the things I would like for medical professionals to know and, and think about is that although they could never truly understand what it's like to have vets and, and lose someone they love from it, um, that although they couldn't, it's like, if they're willing to try, all we need, all we need are, is someone who is understanding of us and our pain as we search for a cure and to live our lives, um, with this condition every day. And when I say someone who's understanding of us, I just mean someone who will listen to us, um, listen to what we have to say as we know our bodies best. And if they don't know something, do what it takes to step outside of their comfort zone and learn it. Or, you know, asking us or those who have studied us um, is really the, the golden ticket to really understanding how to best care for us. Uh, I ask to please set aside what you think you might understand and know and open up your heart and mind to the rare possibilities and challenges that Beds brings to the table. And please know that you're working with a community of beautiful humans who are constantly having to say goodbye to loved ones and fight for our health and without answers or closure of why. But um, you know, together we still manage to fight for victory and stick together with love and everything we've got and never give up hope that there is something more for us. Um, I ask them to not only hear us, but fight alongside us and join our community. I ask that if, you know, if you're at all stubborn and not willing to be brave and vulnerable in your practice alongside us, then please, please send us to someone who who will and who has the time because we really don't. And lastly, I do really want to thank every medical professional who has 
uh, dedicated their lives to finding a cure and giving us hope and, and treating us like their own family. People with VEDS or vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome are prone to life-threatening aortic and arterial dissections and ruptures, bowel perforations, hollow organ ruptures, and more. Awareness of this in an emergency room and in the medical setting can save lives. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode. Thank you to the medical professionals who are spending their lives caring for people with VEDS and advocating and being a part of research. It means so much to me and so much to many people in our community. If you want to learn more about VEDS, there are a number of organizations out there who are providing information and participating in research and doing all of those things. And I will link some of those in the description down below. If you want to support the production of this podcast, you can visit my Patreon at patreon.com slash translucent one. I'll put the link in the description down below as well. I really appreciate your support. Thank you to everybody who's already been supporting the show. I'll see you in the next season, which will start in March. See you soon.